I'm Kate Fagan. And I'm Catherine Beauty. And this is Free Cookies, a humorous podcast filled with thoughtful conversations and offering delicious takeaways. <laughs> Good job. Did you think that I was going to fail? Did listeners notice that we swapped today? Yeah, because I have a lisp. And your lisp actually became more prominent when you described tree cookies and you just pulled the microphone completely out of the socket. I got it, guys. I got it. There's no a need lot to stop. of visual no things that you can't see on your Keep going, audio everybody. device right now. Okay, I fixed my microphone. What about my lisp? I j- oh, you actually have a lisp when you say lisp. Well, of course you do. That's the actual terror of the having a lisp is that <laughs> people ask you and then you have to say the word and then you're and then it, even if you didn't think you had one it's a dead giveaway when you say the word lisp this might be an asshole question but can you try to say lisp without a lisp what the fuck do you think i did at speech therapy <laughs> do you think i'm trying to have a lisp no because it is so wildly charming it is charming i don't think you're trying to but i just wonder if it's one of those things where if you ask someone to speak without an accent they could try. They could try. Okay, I'm going to try to say that word without... The, the word lisp. Yeah. Lisp. That's much better. Okay. I mean, it took a lot of focus. It kind of looked like you were farting at the same time, though. I you elongated your spine and your buns moved down and you perked all up. You're exaggerating. No, I'm not. I'm really not. Lisp. Oh, look at you. Yep. Years of therapy and... 60 seconds. Year of therapy, I think actually it was. <laughs> I quit. Okay. Hey, I couldn't pronounce my THs when I was younger, which is really unfortunate when you have a TH in your name. Yeah. So what did you say? Catherine. Oh, you went with the F. Yeah, my THs were Fs. Which reminds me of Anthony Hardaway, a very famous <laughs> basketball player. Lil Penny, as he was known oh. in the Nike ads. Why Lil Penny? Oh, because he didn't drop dimes, so he brought the pennies? He was like, look, I'm sorry. I can stop on a penny. I'm not quick enough to stop on a dime. Pennies are a little bit bigger, so you can be a little slower oh. and you can stop on a penny. No, he, I don't actually, little penny. I mean. I can stop on a Susan Anthony. You, <laughs> <laughs> you don't remember little penny? No. Oh, he had these no. Nike commercials and he, there would be a little miniature version of him. Uh-huh. I mean, I'll, I'll pull Was he up. actually small? No, he was huge. He oh, was like okay. six foot ten. He was a point guard and he was really versatile, but his Nike ad campaign he would have a little version of himself. And I'll pull up one of the Nike ads. You might remember it. He was called Penny Hardaway was his, was his nickname. Obviously, it was Anthony Hardaway. Like mm-hmm. Anthony, but Anthony. That's but so anyway, cute. I have a lisp. And, and I had trouble with my THs. You had trouble with your THs. And should we share how I say the first meal of the day? Yeah, and the first meal Will that is, make you feel better? Well, you do it. It's adorable, though. I, I almost said it correctly because now I feel so much pre- pressure. It's breakfast. Almost like three times a day. I want breakfast. Which is, I think, the reason that you started saying brekkie. Because you don't want to I know, face when, the music of how you say it's breakfast. It's not, not facing the music. It's just sometimes, it, now that you pointed out that you think it's so cute that I say breakfast. Breakfast. I'm very aware <laughs> of that. So, yes, I do indeed say it the Australian way to save myself the confusion of whether or not I want to enunciate better when I would like my eggs. But it's funny because you said Catherine and then now you say breakfast. <laughs> They're both F sounds that you've introduced to words without Fs. Maybe I really like. I don't know. You know what? The, the reality of the Free Cookies podcast, which is what this is, and we're going to have a guest on the show today, is that my best friend Shauna doesn't listen to Free Cookies podcast because... WTF. F. Well, she'll never hear this. <laughs> she has two small children. and L- Lovely children. And I adore her, but she's not going to listen to this. And the reason I bring her up and I can tell this story, which she won't hear... Shout out to Caroline Shea, who I know is listening to this right now. Catherine's best friend. (laughs) 
is that <laughs> I went I went to my best friend Shauna in earnest about 10 years ago and I said to her please be honest with me do I have a lisp <laughs> and she said no what and I said well okay. and and I said well someone mentioned it I remember I was out to dinner or something and someone was like Offhand, because they thought it was charming, which it absolutely is. And they were like, you have the cutest lisp. And I went back to Shauna, and that was a little traumatizing for me because I'd been to speech therapy, and I kind of had this idea that I had a lisp, but nobody had really ever called me out on it. Uh So I And I wasn't that charmed at having one. And so I went to my best friend, Shauna, and asked her, in earnest, to be honest with me, and she said I did not have one. Do you resent her for this? Because... Well, I just think it's bullshit. Like, I think you should be honest with the people that you love. Maybe she loves me so much, and she does love me. You can vouch for that. I can vouch for that. That she doesn't hear the lisp. Well, I I can also vouch for the fact that I don't think of you immediately as a person who has a lisp. What do you think of when you think of people with lisp? (laughs) Do you have a whole mental image that comes into mind and I just don't fit that stereotype? Says the girl who says breakfast. Breakfast. No, I'm just saying that I don't think that your lisp is really that dominant. You know, know until you introduce free cookies, there is your lisp becomes more dominant when you get a more of your kind of like childlike disposition. Which is most of the time. Do you, the reason actually, well, I don't know why we brought, why I brought up Lisp on this podcast. Because you had a Lisp at the beginning of the show because you introduced the show. Oh, okay. So that's perfect because the third segment of today's show is a recipe that I have made as the Jurassic Park mixologist for the famous drink, the Cosmo. And we posted the video. What does that have to do with the list? Way for it, Catherine. <laughs> we posted a video of me making this extremely special Cosmo on Free Cookies podcast on Instagram. And on it, a commenter said, oh, my God, you, Kate, have the cutest lisp. And then I, I don't know if you checked in on the comments. Well, it could have been on my page. But there was a, a long exchange about lisps and speech therapy and whether or not speech therapy was helpful for the lisp. So it brings it full circle to what we're talking about on the podcast today, which is very special Cosmo at the end from yes. the newly anointed Jurassic Park mixologist. And then do you, Big deal. do you want to talk about our main guest, which is completely backwards that we haven't even mentioned yet? It is a little backwards, and she has absolutely nothing to do with anything that we've talked about today. <laughs> totally makes sense that we're having her on the show. But we're having Ava Taylor on, who is the founder of Yama Talent, and she is... Uh, Will you say a little bit about... I mean, we have, we're going to have like an organized bio for her before we bring her on, but Yama Talent does work with yogis in yes. the yoga world. She's one of the, the most dominant or only existing talent agencies strictly for yoga yeah. teachers. And I mean, she'll go into detail about why she wanted to create that, what that means, yeah. and and also the drama around what does it mean for a yoga teacher to have an agent and how right. people get all panty wadded about it. <laughs> <laughs> Twitter pated? Tw- Twitter pated would nah, be no. That's not the quite. I don't want them to be Twitter pated. Panty wadded would be <laughs> the opposite of Twitter pated, in fact. Uh panty wadded is a really interesting mental image. Very different from how you feel about Look, someone who has a Look, I was going really list. hard on that sentence and to say get your panties in a bunch just wasn't working for yeah. me, so panty wadded. So we ended up talking... I'm sorry, Ava, your, your description, your intro ended in panty wad. <laughs> but we're going to have an organized, very sophisticated <laughs> intro 
later. It's true. So we, we are phoning her in from France. Germany. Oh, Germany, which is next to France. <laughs> which one of those countries won the World Cup? Not Germany. Yes, France. Okay, so we got a little sidetracked off the top of the show. We weren't intending to talk about speech impediments. We wanted to go back to a topic that we talked about over a month ago, the Proust questionnaire. And we had said at the time that we wanted to make it a regular segment on free cookies, but we haven't brought it back until today. Proust, not Proust. Proust. Like Roost. Like Roost. We got, we got kindly... We, we got kindly directed on the pronunciation of Proust by a Free Cookies listener who emailed us at freecookiespodcast at gmail.com. defense of the English language. So we were going to do... <laughs> we were going to do two Proust questions, but I think we probably just should do one now. Let's do it. Because we talk so much about Lil Penny. <laughs> we got it. Little Penny and Pennywads. So I want to I hit you with... <laughs> That's going to be my rapper name. Little Pennywads. <laughs> Will you sing a little verse for us? No, no, no. I'm going to beatbox. Okay. I got a wedgie. And I like it. I got a wedgie. I'm so pissed off. Well, baby, that's not, that's not a great rap. We're going to come back to that later and see if okay. you've written better lyrics at that time. Okay. All right. So my Proust question for you. Uh -uh. <clears throat> <laughs> oh, this is such a hard right turn mm -hmm. what is your idea of misery oh jesus <laughs> besides <Sorry>. wedgies <laughs> besides being put on the spot to rap out of nowhere what was your rap name by the way little patty wads <laughs> <laughs> um my idea of misery okay you, this is totally unexpected but i'm, I'm gonna go off of panty wads um I have had this really, this is like TMI, but I don't care. I've had this really interesting thing since I've been young, which is called a friable cervix, which means I bleed really easily. It's called a friable it cervix? It means a, fri a friable cervix, which is when the red blood cells that normally exist within your cervix are actually on the outside of your cervix, which means that for me, if I do high impact sports or a lot of abdominal work, that those blood cells will break and then you bleed easier. So it's not, I mean, I've had ultrasounds, everything to make sure I don't have any cysts, to make sure I don't have any polyps or anything funky going on. Um, but it's something that's really frustrating as an athlete who likes to, to do high impact workouts occasionally and core work occasionally that I have to worry about stuff like that. And I'm just, for anyone who might relate to this, it's not obviously something that people talk about a lot, but it's really frustrating when, it's not only I have to deal with the, the period that happens to me once a month, but then all the fun little visitors in between that happen. And currently that has been a misery because it's been happening to me a lot. Okay, so your idea of misery is? Friable cervix. <laughs> of all the miseries in all the world. No, that sucks though. You didn't I'm preface so the question that way. Preface, oh my God, it's like preface. <laughs> You it's didn't like say breakfast. the worst misery of all miseries. You just no. You're right, and that's interesting because I thought if you did put it back on me, I was going to preface it by saying, "Look, obviously there are like 
deep down there are dark many layers miseries. of misery of, of misery like, are we talking kathy bates misery are we talking right. like let's just tribal cervic are we talking like i have not eaten for the past hour misery right there's all different kind of layers and i uh, i would think what what proust is saying is like sticky sand misery oh yeah sticky sand man let's not even get into that okay but you're right i think it's i think given that answer which that is I I have been next to you after a run when your uterus is not doing well. So I understand that that is a terrible moment. But I do think it's important to say... Because it's accompanied with cramps that feel like they're premenstrual. It's not just, oh my gosh, I'm bleeding. Yeah. It, it's legit. God, I did not see... I mean, this this whole podcast has gone very differently than I, I know. anticipated. And my friends sent me all those, you know, the, the period <laughs> panties. I'm bringing it back to my rap name. But you know the... Sp- not Spanx. Thinks. Thanks yeah. with an X. Those are the shit, you guys. Okay. Oh my god. And I actually feel kind of like sexy. Do you want to try rapping again? I, I, I t- <laughs> no. I think we should. I'm gonna. I'm gonna keep working on my rap. Okay. L- little Panty Wad has got some work to do. Okay. <laughs> you go home and you write some lyrics. I oh, don't think I'm not gonna come back hot. Okay. Cool. Do you want? Do you want to? <laughs> do you want to answer that question? Sure. I'll answer that question. You, maybe, the, and then after that, we'll we'll probably have to bring. There will in. be no topping that yet. Yeah, so there will be no topping. Keep vegan. What is your idea? So I've already prefaced it. Um, preface. I've already prefaced it by saying that obviously there are levels of misery that I'm I'm going to exclude from that. Right, like living mm-hmm. through certain times in history and other losses. But I think if I'm saying in the life that I currently understand and in a general sense of the life I'm living. My the moments when I feel like I am touching on a kind of misery is when I feel purposeless. It, when I feel like all the things that I like used to or previously like worked on or passions that I had and I can't find passion in some way to be productive, I tend to feel pointless in a way. And that introduces a kind of misery, right? When you feel like you you're not connected either to someone or to some sort of like writing or some kind of like creative endeavor like I really so love that so it's not that. a lack of life purpose it's a lack of within your life finding purpose yeah in projects like would you being creatively like being in touch do you with, know what your life purpose is I want to have something so funny to say right now but I don't no I don't no I, no, I actually I want you to I don't want you to answer it funny I'm I'm really curious I, I did an interview earlier today, and that was a question. Oh, and, wow. And, yeah, I mean, it's cliche, but I, I just think it's always interesting to know what your life purpose is if you've tapped into it. And for those moments where you feel like you're yeah. untethered, you know, how can you focus on that to bring you back to a place of grounding? Yeah. Well, I hope that I'm working toward my life purpose being having really connected relationships with people around me, and that has yeah. not always been the case, I would say, for... You know, my first 10 years out of college, it was like, make a career and be successful. And now it's more like have really good connected relationships. But one of those connect, like th- maybe the, the point that I'm trying to say in, in all of this kind of like idea of misery is like a lack of connection yes. it, that can sometimes like if you and I aren't feeling connected. And then on top of that, I don't have any sort of like creative like juju going on where yes. I feel like any sort of writing I'm doing is really fulfilling me. And I haven't talked to, you know, well, I talk to my parents seven times a day, so that's never happening. That's but an understatement. To, right. So a lack of connection might be feel to me like a kind of untethered in the universe feeling. So that's how I answer that. Floating towards a black hole. Friable cervix. <laughs> <laughs> Coming from you from little pantywad. <laughs> You'll be on the lookout for that hot single dropping next week on Free Cookies Podcast. <laughs>
<laughs> All right, we should probably bring our guest on. Oh, poor Ava. <laughs> Ava Taylor is the founder and chief catalyst of Yama Talent. She's an avid yogi, an entrepreneur, and she holds a degree in economics and intercultural communication, along with a distinguished resume in high-level management and growth expansion at Clear Channel and Lululemon Athletica. With a clear vision, she self-funded and self-founded Yama in 2010. She also lives... Not in France. In Germany, Cologne, Germany, she loves people, art, food, culture, and history, and she lives with her wife, Sonia Taylor-Bach, and their very handsome Rhodesian Ridgeback, Jay. I'm saying, it's J-A-I. Jai. Jai. Oh, oh, that's a yoga thing. Oh, let's bring her on. Jai Ma. Taylor coming in hot from Germany. What's ooh, up? Ooh. Hey. <laughs> Isn't technology amazing? <laughs> What's the best part of living in Germany? The best part about living in Germany is that when you meet people, they, instead of like the New York vibe, which I'm totally used to and I totally love where people want to know what you do, you know, for a living in Germany, people are more interested in where your last vacation was mm-hmm. and where you're going next. So um, they place a really high value on quality of life, on work-life balance, family time, you know, really good quality food and just like this sort of um, care, you know, with themselves. And so it's really, it's really refreshing after being in the jungle of New York for almost 10 years um, to have just a slightly different currency that is valued. So has that directly affected kind of your work ethics and, and your approach? Yeah. I mean, one of the best things, I love New York. I mean, I was just there for three weeks and, you know, I dropped back in and I'm like, it's the kind of, I'm the kind of person that if the, the current is going fast, then I'm going to be going fast too. Right. You know, so I really love New York for that because you could just kind of dive in and go And then at the same time, when I moved to Germany, which was, you know, slightly like having to have my hands pried off of it, you know, it it wasn't easy for me to leave because it was so much of my, um, my day to day and my identity, you know, were, were there in New York. And so when I moved, I got all this perspective though, which was great, you know, so I could really look back, you know, we, we, the business is still in New York. So it was like, I could kind of get myself out of the current and look back at what we had built and look back at what we were doing and how we were doing it. And then to put it in, um, context with, um, or in comparison with how people run businesses here in Germany, because they're ve- they run very clean. They run very efficient. They're very respectful, like high levels of integrity, you know, you don't say anything that you don't mean in Germany, really, like even down to like, yeah, girl, I'll see you on Friday. Like you don't <laughs> even drop that unless you really have an intention of seeing someone on Friday. Oh, okay. So, struggle with that. Yeah. yeah I'm all the time like, let's get together, but I don't really want to get together. I just want people to think I want to get together. So I'd be bad in Germany. <laughs> You'd be so bad. Well then, and then I married a German too. So we had a lot of our, you know, issues in the beginning because Sonia came to live with me, my partner in in New York for a year, and I would be doing the New York thing just like that, Kate, and just drop drop those little 
you know, non-committal things out there. And then we'd get home and she'd be like, so why are you planning our weekend without talking to me? And I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh, I love Germans. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's, it's, it's basically, long story short, it's just given me some really great um, structure and a new way to think about um, organizing how we do what we do at, at the agency. So, yeah. Yeah, so... I, I gather that the move to Germany was, or maybe I'm assuming here, somewhat motivated by your partner, but what was the catalyst? See, I've read your website. Well, <laughs> well, but what was the catalyst for actually making the move from New York to Germany? The, the main catalyst is that we own a yoga studio here in Cologne called the Yoga Loft. And so, you know, Sonia would definitely love, I would say, some new, some newness, you know, um, we're going on 15 years of owning the studio. So I think, you know, we're, we're ready to make some changes, but until that kind of brick and mortar business and the community and everyone are taken care of, you know, it was, it was a little bit of a, of wishful thinking that we could run it from New York, but we tried, you know, and um, it maintained itself, but it became, you know, kind of um, as all long distance relationships do at some point, a bit abstract. So we needed to come back. We're here, you know, working on getting the business really, um, you know, to a, to a level where it's thriving and then who knows where, where we might end up next. And speaking of business, you know, the word yogi and business are not, they don't really go hand in hand. I don't find that there's often a, a nice marriage between the two. And, uh, you know, all of my friends who are studio owners often complain about, you know, working with yoga teachers is like herding cats and trying to keep <laughs> the business running smoothly is just a nightmare because they might be a phenomenal teacher, but when it comes to business chops, they just don't know how to commit. And so that's obviously something that you have married so beautifully. So would you kind of walk our listeners through how... Well, to, to the full range of what you do on the business yes, side of exactly. yoga in addition. Yeah. Exactly, like about how you created your business and and why i just think there's so many people who are going to be really fascinated by that okay yeah it's um you know it's it's interesting i'll i'll kind of give it from a high level perspective um in the sense that the yoga industry is a mom and pop industry yes so you know it's made up of thousands of small startup independent business owners a lot of them who were accidental business owners i mean most studio owners got into the yoga scene or opened up a studio just because they loved yoga you know, it didn't have right. any, anything to do with business. And then all of a sudden they're running a business. So you have, you have that side of things, um, you know, really to, to contend with. And so what ended up, what's been happening is that yoga is becoming a more mature industry. So this happened with, um, fitness, you know, before the gyms, big corporate gyms came into, um, into play, the fitness industry was very much the same. You know, all the gyms were small mom and pops. And then eventually, um, as fitness, you know, started to become more of a household, you know, kind of a, a more popular activity, more business came into this space, more structure came into this space. And you saw, you know, the chains come and kind of buy, buy up the smaller studios and things like that. And so it's the same thing that's happening with yoga right now. You know, we are becoming um, a, a proper form, formal industry. And I'm totally okay with it. 
because, (laughs) you know, it means that there will be more access to the tools, right? That's really what it's all about at the end of the day. The better the businesses run, the more yoga will get into the world and the more people will have access to the practice. And it also makes a lot of people uncomfortable, which is a whole nother thing that we can, we can talk about um, because it's, it's moving so fast and it's so new and people have a problem thinking about yoga um, as a business. Right. So I'll go back to, um, to your original question, just about kind of how, how we do what we do. Um, but essentially, you know, and, and Catherine and I go way back to this, the, the good old days in, in California and in Los Angeles, <laughs> what are we talking 2006 or so? Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's crazy. Baby Catherine. Baby Catherine. <laughs> Baby Catherine. I know it's just crazy. It's so crazy. And, um, you know, it just so happened that I was living in LA, um, working in advertising, you know, had started doing a little bit of yoga on the side, but I was still like a gym rat and running the stairs at running can, you know, just an LA girl mm-hmm. and kind of going to yoga on the weekend every now and then. And then my grandmother passed away in 2007 and you will see that she's referenced throughout everything that we're doing now, you know, our, our, you know, granny with a capital G, And, um, she's, she's my, you know, she's so much my inspiration and my common sense, you know, my day-to-day common sense. I feel like I really got from her. Mm -hmm. So when she passed away, I was a complete wreck, like a complete wreck. And the way that I have been raised to cope, or at least until this point in my life, um, in, in my family was through alcohol and substances, you know? And so both, you know, both my families were like really great alcoholics, both of them. It's the best, they do best in the world. You want to know what you're best in the world at? Like that, that's what my <laughs> sides of my family are best in the world at. And so that was just how I grew up, you know? And so it was like, okay, cool. Shit's going down, you know, let, this is how we handle it. And it was very interesting because I, I knew really clearly at that point that I could either go to yoga mm-hmm. and get on this weird rubber mat or I would go p- party and, and, and numb myself, you know, from this, this trauma that I was going through and I chose yoga and I really still to this day, can't believe that it had that much power to help me make a better choice for myself. And I knew once I had experienced that power of it, you know, that, that what it was really capable of that I was going to share it. And I wasn't sure how, but I was like, everybody's got to find out about this. I was like, if you keep me from being a hot mess, everybody else needs to know about it. <laughs> and I'm still a mess. You know what I mean? Like, I, I really intentionally say, like, I'm a better version of myself, you know? Um, and it just gave me this extra level of, of consciousness around the decisions I was making. And you guys know the drill. So anywho, long story short, I was living in Los Angeles. I quit my job working in advertising. I start working at this little Canadian yoga store that no one's ever heard of before, just so I can do free yoga and, um, took on a role as the head of marketing for Southern California for Lululemon. (laughs) Yeah. Crazy. Just a little Canadian store that no one had heard of. (laughs) No one had heard of it. My dad was like, I mean, I had a, I had a really great job at an advertising agency that I had worked so hard to get after college, uh, after university. And he's like, he, you know, no one had ever heard of them. Literally right. no one had ever heard of Lululemon. And so I was like, trust me, dad, I got a good feeling about this one. 
And I just wanted to be in a place where I could basically get paid to do yoga and drink coffee all day. And so that was, that was, that was what I, the job that I got, you know, and, um, in the 18 months that I was with the company, we went public and we opened up 114 stores. And my job was to take the Canadian marketing model and to make it American. So this business entity, you know, they, cause Lululemon, um, only existed in Canada for 10 full years before expanding into the U S and then globally. So my job made the athletes tick. What was, what were their real lives like and how could we help them, um, do better? Right. Because as you know, they run an entirely grassroots marketing campaign and, you know, they don't pay athletes for their likeness and, and use of image and things like that. Like they do in sports, traditional sports, you know, or acting or music or whatever. And so we really had to come up with this win-win, you know, and I'm doing air quotes over here in Germany, win-win <laughs> air quotes. And so while I was doing that, because yoga was such a passion for me, I've, I spent a lot of times with yoga, with the yogis and I was like, let's get out of the studio. Like, why don't we go have a beer? Like, what is your life really like? And when I started to do that inquiry, I realized that they were, most of them were, were struggling um, to make ends meet and they're going on sexy retreats, you know, to Costa Rica classes are packed. They're, they're have the highest honor, I think at the time, which was to be an an ambassador, you know, in the, Mm -hmm. in the early days and they still couldn't make a living. So I was like, well, this doesn't make any sense because when I go to work on Saturday, I'm chinging that register. Like we're selling a ton of black stretchy pants (laughs) because we're associated with these yoga teachers but why isn't it trickling down, right? What's, what's missing in the market? What's wrong? And when I started to ask the teachers, like, well, who's helping you be a professional if they were even comfortable with thinking of themselves as professional at that time? Who's helping you manage your business? And almost all of them said no one or their boyfriend. You know, right. it, was, it was just this complete lack of, <clears throat> of structure an infrastructure to support a, a career yoga teacher. And so because I was living in LA, all of my friends were in the business. So they were actors and had, you know, agents and managers for a reason, right? You know, it's two different sides of the coin, I think, to really focus on your art and your craft. And we really consider yoga teachers artists. You know, that's what Yama stands for, Yoga Artist Management Agency. And I really believe that for an artist to be at their best, they can't be dealing with all the everything else, (laughs) you know, that comes with it. I'm not saying don't be part of it. I'm not saying don't have transparency, but, you know, I really think if you want to thrive as an artist, you need someone organizing, negotiating, logistics, um, helping you stay on track with your goals and with your strategy, you know, which, which are all functions that we provide, um, at Yama. So that's where the aha moment came from, because I was like, oh my God, really like this doesn't exist. And, um, eventually it didn't take me long before I got frustrated at Lululemon because I was like, I don't want to give somebody a tank top when they can't pay their rent. Like, right. You know? And so this, I started to ironically be opposed to the very thing that I had helped to sell. Hmm. And so, um, was the other thing I was going to, and then, so this is like 2008 now. And then the industry really had a boom and and Catherine lived this year, you know, so I know that, you know what I'm talking about, Yeah, you know, but 2008 was just like this marked 
marked moment in the yoga industry where a bunch of companies came into the space and started throwing deals around. We're talking to Adidas where, you know, you're getting phone calls, you know, from the gap and all of these apparel companies and all of these online platforms. And, you know, and my friends in LA were just calling me in the middle of the night, like, yo, the gap wants to know what my day rate is. And I have no idea what to tell them, you know, and I'm getting phone calls from all across the country from all of my teaching friends who all of a sudden are being propositioned by companies in a formal way, but they didn't have any formal support. Right. They're like, aren't you just going to give me a lot of free clothes? What? Wait, you want to pay me money? <laughs> yeah, totally. No joke. No joke. I had a, I got the same phone call from Sadie Nardine in New York City and from Ashley Turner in Los Angeles the same night. Huh. They both didn't know each other. They had both been contacted by the same company. And they both called me because they had no idea how to handle the situation that they were in. Right. So once, once 2008 hit, I was in business even before I was in business because I was the only resource, knock wood, you know, that people had when someone started to question them about business, you know, within their um, yoga career. So that's how it got started. You know, it was really kind of out of necessity. And since I was working, you know, with, Adidas and these other companies right away, I got fired. And so, you know, Lululemon was like, we love you. We're so glad you accomplished your goal, but you got to go. Wow. And we were, we were out the door. So, yeah. (laughs) Well, it's so as an, as someone from the, you know, not the non yoga world, more of the sports side of things. I'm really curious what you find is, the biggest challenge when you take a yogi who's supposed to be, you know, we alluded to this working in this very uh, pure form of expression and like connection to the universe. And then you want to make them really fluent in the language of business. Like what is, is there, what is, is there tension there? And like, how do you clear that hurdle? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, there's a few things, you know, because because we're in this um, development phase, you know, sort of intense development phase or, you know, maturation of the space. There's a lot of folks that are very new to the business or to business, right? And so you guys know, you, you know, you probably say that people are green, right? Or they're rookies or they're new. So it's oftentimes... Um, tricky because negotiating and, um, you know, negotiating is an art form. Like you get a deal, you get an opportunity in, do you say yes to it right away? What questions do you ask? How do you push back? Are you willing to walk away? Right? Like all of that you have to live through to become more savvy, you know, in, um, in what you're doing and what you say yes to. And I think, you know, sometimes when we're bringing folks on and they're kind of getting in, with us, it's really difficult to maneuver because the experience is not there with deals, deal making, right? Things coming and things going sometimes, what works and what doesn't, which for me, as someone who negotiates all day long for the past decade, it's just kind of par for the course. So sometimes it's difficult to get someone to say yes to something that's good for them or to say no to something that's not good for them because they don't have the experience to base it off of. Does that make sense? It does. And I've just found from personal experience being in the yoga industry, and I don't, I don't know if it's just because there hasn't been a lot of money 
going towards teachers for so long that people just don't know how to accept it or they have somehow told themselves that, I mean, obviously you don't become a yoga teacher to make a ton of money. You're like, that's not why people get into teaching yoga. You have to have some kind of deep thirst for the actual teaching and the practice to sustain yourself. But now, you know, there's this ability to have that thirst for the practice and to have a career for yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just been fascinating for me to watch where people, you know, have this reaction to, if you make money, you're a sellout. And totally. Like I watch, you know, on Rachel Brayton on yoga girls page, for example, she has 2 million followers, right? It's nuts. And people will skewer her if she's somehow doing some kind of sponsored post and you know, it's not like she's like selling McDonald's. I mean, everything I've seen her ever talk about seems to be in line with her ethos. Mm. And then so they're like, don't worry, you guys, I'm not keeping this money. I'm, it's going to go into one of my foundations. And at that point, I'm like, girl, just own it. Like, ain't nothing wrong right. with making some money. Like, totally. I, I just totally. wish people well, will kind of step into that power more and be like, I work hard. I deserve to pay my bills like everybody else does and maybe have something left over to have fun with. Like, totally. That's okay. <laughs> Yeah, maybe invest, maybe retire, maybe I'll leave an inheritance. Right? Like it should, it should be, you know, I don't like to use the word should, but it ought to be the same. It ought to be the same, you know, and what you're, what you mentioned with the whole Rachel thing. I mean, the irony is, is that every other teacher I know on the planet when given that same opportunity would take it. Ain't nobody right. going to say no to it. Like right. <laughs> this happened with Adidas. We were doing the first sports endorsement for Adidas. Like the first time that an, a yoga teacher was being properly paid and formally offered an endorsement and people were worried about selling out. And I was like, before they would even like, um, not audition, but you know, we had to, we had to present, uh, you know, like a, um, a roster portfolio for the gig based on their brief and whatever. And so I was reaching out to people and they were like, oh, 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 I don't want to, I don't want to be seen as a sellout. And I was like, first of all, why don't we go for the gig? And if you get it, you say no to it, right? Don't, you don't even right. have, you don't even have anything to say no to yet, right? right. So let's <laughs> go for this. Let's go for this. And I guarantee you that all the people that are talking trash would take that deal. I, that's the problem, right? Yeah. yeah. And this is also because the space is really, people, there's no, there's hardly any um, clearly um, understood market value, right? So in sports, you have the you have the you have the pros, you have the minors, you have the juniors. You know, like you have this structure to let people know how to progress, how to develop, um, to help evaluate talent, to help evaluate you know, what's when you should be getting X, Y, and Z, but it's all, a, it doesn't exist at all in yoga. And so there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of, um, fear and almost, I would, I don't like to use the word jealousy. I don't know if that's even but the right maybe word. That's but right. maybe that exists. <laughs> <laughs> but people are always like, well, why didn't I get it? Oh. They really don't know. Yeah. They really don't know you know, and then you throw in social media and that whacks oh, the valuation. Yeah. yeah. That whacks the valuation out even more. Um, but you know, I, I read y'all's article in YJ last month or maybe it's this month. I don't know what month it is. 
And, um, you know, I loved what you were saying about ambition. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what the, what the one line was. Do you remember what, what it is, Catherine, that one line? Yeah, I, I'm trying to find success for my happiness instead of happiness for my success. Is that what you're talking about? I, 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 maybe. Is that maybe Ava's talking more about pure ambition. It's like, it's okay. Yeah, there's one. Yeah, no, there's one line. It's on the right side of the page. It's in a box in the middle. I think you guys are sitting on a couch underneath it. And it says something about ambition. But basically, the way I interpret it, I'm going to actually write a blog about it called The Sin of Ambition. Because this is something that we, we do have, you know, to go back to your point, Catherine, like in our space, it's it's not accepted to come out and be like, I want to be the best teacher I can be. And I do want to be well known for it and well paid for it. That's not okay. That's not a sin. There's a lot of passive aggressive energy in the yoga community when it comes to business from my experience. Well, if I can chime in as, as someone coming from the sports world and, and Avery, you mentioned the structure that has been put in place really over the years, if you look at the sports world, like you can take baseball and you can actually trace back to this guy named Curtis Flood, who was the first one who pushed for free agency, that he would be able to take his worth on the open market and force teams to bid for it. And, you know, this, <laughs> that was 40, 50 years ago, I think in the, in the 70s. And so you can now you can see in baseball that because it's such an older sport, it's like you can, as you pointed to, you can know if I'm a, a rookie drafted at this spot, this is roundabout my pay structure. And if I'm a pitcher who hits the open market, you have all these comparison points. And right. but, but it has taken baseball like a hundred years to go from, I would say even in the 50s, 60s, 70s, there was that you're playing a game for a living. Why should you be allowed to make so much money? And then we kind of moved past that. But you can still see in the sports world that people still get blowback if fans believe that they're not thankful to be playing a sport for a living. And if they mm-hmm. if they push at the boundaries of what has been accepted in terms of what they're allowed to command on the open market, how they're allowed to talk about their worth and ambition, there's still blowback. Like, mm-hmm. come on, you're just a, you're a dude who plays a sport for a living. So I guess the point I'm making is, if you look at yoga, it's like it's in its infancy and it's still in that place where people are like, you should just be practicing it and be happy that, you know, you're not digging ditches for a living. And right. Because because it's so much younger, I think, that like you guys are still trying to put in the structure. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's yeah. a long soliloquy. She was really no, leaning it's, in it's, it's to the perfect. phone during that whole soliloquy, too, by the way. I was feeling like the heat coming at me. <laughs> <laughs> But it's, it's exactly, that's exactly it. I mean, we are just, we are, um, it's just really early. It's just really early days. And so these, these structures and, and, um, you know, models of, um, you know, career paths and, and expectations, you know, what to expect. No one knows what to expect, you know, of how to build a career, you know, um, so it's all just being being molded right now, and we're 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 stoked that we are helping shape it. All right, I have a fun question for you. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna say a word, and I I want to know your reaction to it. Oatmeal raisin cookie. No, 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 no. And that that's my. <laughs> <laughs> 
I love oatmeal raisin cookie. Yeah. Chocolate chip. You got to put some chocolate chips in there. OC girl. Now we're talking. All right. So yoga celebrities. What does that mean to you? Yoga celebrity to me um, is someone who is becoming well known for um, for being a yoga teacher, which I know it's like, duh, but <laughs> oh, let me finish. <laughs> so yoga liberty to me means, you know, someone who's becoming well-known. And when I say well-known, I mean, um, in the yoga space and potentially crossing um, over, you know, into a more casual space where maybe it's not just the diehard yogis, you know, that, that know you, um, but the part about it that I like, you know, a lot of people don't like the word yoga liberty and I'm cool with it because what I'm really talking about is also a healthy celebrity. So I think one of the opportunities we have as we continue to support teachers, yoga teachers in becoming famous, right? Becoming household names is that they're bringing um, a celebrity that that's a bit healthier, you know, to, to the world. So, you know, unfortunately in our culture, you know, we tend to really, um, uh, uh, admire you know and and glorify glamorize you know people who are kind of dysfunctional and or harmful you know mm -hmm. to themselves um and so what i what i love about a yoga celebrity is that it's someone who's becoming famous for lack of a better word for a healthy way of living right we're still throwing back our wine and doing our thing but like it's a better version of a of the typical celebrity so that's, that's what I think. Okay. I enjoy that because I'm definitely one of those people where if I get labeled with that title, it, it makes me ruffle a little bit, Does it? you know, and, but I also, I was recently doing a Q and a and the woman, her explanation was really interesting, but it made me ruffle further where she compared a yoga liberty to a celebrity chef you know, like a, a celebrity chef that you would see on the Food Network. And she was kind of like, they're not a chef anymore. They're just a celebrity who represents pushing. the idea of being a chef. Exactly. But to that, I was like, yeah, but I mean, they were definitely had to work their ass off to get to that level. And I think what a lot of people are realizing now, when you see in the health world, world people who are quote unquote famous, like all the blood, sweat and tears that went into getting there. It's not like, oh, my goal is to become famous. You know, sometimes these weird things just happen. And it, I, it, I don't know. I just find it to be a very fascinating construct. Yeah. Yeah. She also oversimplified it. I mean, she forgot the other piece of it. Like, yes, there are the food network, right, does does exist. And actually the first big agency, Hollywood agency that I sat in and met with was like, oh, so you're kind of like, when, you know, I won't say the guy's name on the radio, but basically one of the agents at this Hollywood agency left and started managing chefs before chefs were famous. And they were like, oh, you're kind of like so-and-so. And now he's like the godfather of the Food Network. And I'm like, I love you. I want to be a godfather of something too. And so fast forward, within the Food Network, there are entertainers and there are educators. And it's exactly mm -hmm. the same way with yoga. And what this woman did who minimized you, if I'm being honest, like, is she put you in the entertainment box without knowing much about you? It sounds like, because you're an educator. You happen to also be cute and personable, but like. <laughs> Seriously you know cute, I mean? really cute. Really so cute. Yeah. Really Better cute. keep an eye on her, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, you know, she she put you in the box of people who you watch, right? And this is, you see this with, with social media. There are some yogis that you watch do yoga and there are some yogis that you learn how to do yoga yes. or to live yoga from. Yes. So she oversimplified it. Um, but I think that the, that the, the concept of a celebrity, you know, can be both entertaining and educational. And some people have a little bit of both. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about your life in Germany? What... Oh, I was too close to the mic. Let me let me ask it again. Okay. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about your life in Germany? Yes, yes. What, like my day-to-day or... We'd like to know a little bit about your love story, honestly. Yeah, that's what okay. I was hoping you would I, get yeah, to. I, I want to get to the juicy part. Tell us about your wife. <laughs> oh, my God. My, 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 I call her my eye babe. She's <laughs> like perfect German, you know, model. Um, so, I mean, it's kind of funny, you know, we were introduced through uh, a mutual friend, a yoga teacher, you know, so I was living in New York and, um, I had actually had a rather terrible breakup with a celebrity chef, mind you. Oh, no way. Yeah. There's a whole nother story. Um, so, you know, I had, I had had like this really fancy red carpet romance and that crashed and burned. And so I went, got myself a little apartment on the Upper East Side. And I was like, I'm going to put myself on sabbatical for 90 days, like a, not sabbatical, excuse me, a quarantine. <laughs> yeah, okay. Because I was like, I was devastated. And um, I was like, okay, well, you know how New York is. You could run around and you could be out all night, every night and get into all sorts of interesting things and <laughs> trouble. And things. People, yes, and, exactly. You know? So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go home for 90 days and lock my door and Netflix or cry, or I don't know what I did for 90 days, to be honest, but I went home every night for 90 days intentionally. (laughs) And the night before, on the 89th night before um, my quarantine was over, I was Skyping with, uh, with Megan Curry, actually. And we were talking and I, before we got off the phone, I was like, do you know, this is kind of random, but do you know anybody who you think I might be a good match with? Because I like referrals. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, do you know anybody? Because of the thought of like kind of going out there and just like, you know, oh, especially God. in New York. It's, it's terrifying. Going to the cubby hole late at night. Is that what you're talking about? Oh, my about? God. Don't get me started. <laughs> I was, don't get me started. That, and I know I, I used to date a bartender. Like the only gay lady bar in New York. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I used to date the bartender at Stonewall. So... <laughs> There we go. Yeah. So that whole area of, is like kind of off limits. <laughs> but, you know, it's hard. And um, and she starts to get off the Skype and she's like, no, I can't really think of anybody. And then she's like, oh, wait, I just taught a workshop at this yoga studio in Cologne, Germany. You got to meet this woman. She's amazing. And so I look her up on Facebook and I'm like, oh, how interesting. Cause we had all these mutual friends, you know, people, she's hugging the same person that I'm hugging, but we'd never met each other before. Right. And so I send a message on Facebook, you know, just totally straight up like, Hey, Megan Curry thinks we might be a good match for each other. And Sonia writes me back and her, the first thing she says to me is, do you want to move to Europe? <laughs> wow. <laughs> you guys are becoming a cliche before our eyes right here. <laughs> Oh my God. But it was so crazy. It was so crazy. I still didn't know I was moving to Europe until the day I was on the plane leaving with all my shit in, you know, being FedExed or however we sent it over here. I can't even remember, but so, um, she knew everything before I did, but 
that's how we met. So we started talking and um, I, I was running around New York doing my thing. And she finally, she's like, I'm sending you a plane ticket. Come see me because I don't know if this is real or not. You know, you know how things are abstract. So I got to Germany and um, things were good. Like (laughs) I didn't realize I left my suitcase outside the front door for like a full, like 24 hours. (laughs) Oh my God. That's a good sign. I think. (laughs) Sounds great. So I was like, where's my stuff? (laughs) So we, um, we did long distance for, She told me on the fourth day, she's like, I'm going to marry you. And I was like, yeah, right. I was like, whatever, you know, just totally like, I had recently heard that before, put it that way. And um, so I was very, very skeptical. And um, we started doing this long distance thing. And I was, so I was trying to come to Europe once a month. So I eventually like let go of my apartment, moved in with my 20 something year old cousins who live in New York city was basically like couch surfing and then flying to Germany for a year and a half. And, um, until Sonia came over to visit. So that's how we met. Was that good? That's perfect. (laughs) Okay. We got one more question before we're going to, we're going to let you get back to German life. Um, is oatmeal raisin your favorite cookie? Oatmeal raisin, if I were, if it were my last, if I had a choice for the last cookie ever, would not be my last cookie. What if it was the oatmeal? That was a really kind way of saying, Kate, no. <laughs> so let me ask a more open-ended question. Yes. What is your favorite cookie? See, then I don't know the answer to this, which is ironic, but I know that yours is not my favorite. That's <laughs> But you really like it because it's tasty. It is tasty. I could do I could do oatmeal raisin chocolate chip, although okay. I probably would just do I would probably just do one of my mom's chocolate chips if it were the last one. I would probably have one of my mom's one of my mom's chocolate chips. Okay. Well, I'm not going to talk smack yeah. about that. No, that. Okay. <laughs> okay. And last thing, will you tell the people where they can find you? Absolutely. Yes. Um. Everything is online. www.yamatalent dot com catalyst for better living awesome ava thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us and um next time we're in new york next time we're in cologne or next time we're in cologne i guess we got to go to cologne now yes we're 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 very centrally located so anywhere in europe that you guys might be um we're probably just a few hours away and we have a great guest room so please all right please uh, keep it in mind well danke auf wiedersehen bitte schön bitte schön and keep up all the great work you guys it's really really beautiful to see and um i wish you all the best in Likewise. all of your endeavors thank you eva bye okay ciao That's Lil Penny. That's Lil Penny. Lil Penny and Penny Anthony Hardaway. Right, 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 Panty Wads? I'm trying to think of things to <laughs> rhyme Panty Wads with. You guys, you don't know how great this rap name is for you. Do you, or do you want another shot? You I, ready? I know. I, <clears throat> no. No, all right, shoot, <laughs> like, let's talk about the Cosmo, all right? Okay. We'll come back to you. So. Every once in a while on Free Cookies Podcast, we love to drop awesome recipes. Well, it's happened a couple times. Feed me, Seymour.
Oh, I forgot that the segment it's had the a name. name. Of the segment. Feed me, Seymour. No, he's scary. That was that was. <laughs> Feed me, Seymour. Tell me about the drink, love. So a Cosmo, y'all. So a Cosmo, pretty standard drink. Doesn't matter if you like Sex in the City or not. I used to a few years ago try to be a bit of a budding mixologist. I would take cocktails. You think it really matters if you don't like Sex in the City? Well, I feel like you're just saying that because you don't. Well, if people go to Free Cookies podcast on Instagram, you taped me making this Cosmo, this very, very special Cosmo, and you told me that I wasn't allowed to make it because I didn't say you weren't allowed you to make were, it. That I inferred, I but I believe you the insinuated authority that you bring into the cosmopolitan making realm, which we really owe to the ladies of Sex and the City and to Sarah Jessica Parker hanging out in a martini cup. So I have decided that. I will take my mixology skills that I honed a few years ago, honed is the wrong word, that I attempted to begin to cultivate a few years ago. That's a lot of words. And I am offering to you a Cosmo with a base of Tito's and Cointreau. Does it have to be Tito's? No, but that's what we had. Any vodka will do because vodka is all vodka. Don't get sucked into the bullshit of Grey Goose because vodka is just alcohol with water added. Actually, the definition of vodka, the definition of vodka, I'm not going to go too far into the vodka world, but I did listen to a podcast that like part of vodka is that you can't do herbally weird things to it in certain ways. So anyway, I'm going to leave that there because I actually am I'm not, not going to start expert. this fight because I don't have the expert. I'm not an expert. Look, we're getting, we're getting away from the point. Cosmo, vodka, Cointreau, cranberry. Cointreau instead You can of- use Grand Marnier. I use Cointreau. I'm, I'm sorry. Is this... Potato, potato? Uh, potatoes are what vodka is made of. I think the problem here is that I'm not an expert, and I'm realizing that, and you're asking me questions I don't know the answer to. Okay, I just want to know why anyway, you do what you do. Listen, I add pineapple to my Cosmo because you don't want a Cosmo to be sh- too sugary. Is that the big reveal? Wait, so you add a super sugary fruit to your drink because you don't want it to be too sugary. I think we should start this segment over because <laughs> I feel like it's gone off the rails, and I don't, I don't think I've been presented as the kind of... No, break it down, break it down. I think that too often cranberry juice um, is too tart, and I don't have an explanation. I just love pineapple juice in my in my in my. But hey, you love no, them. I do love listen, them. Listen, listen. Uh, the point is, people. Next time you make a Cosmo at home, add a little little bit of fresh pineapple juice. But you you haven't offered the recipe yet. You've just told people what's in it. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's three ounces of vodka. Any shitty vodka will do, according to Kate Pagan. <laughs> Two ounces of Cointreau. Which evidently is better than Grand Marnier. Three, I do three ounces of fresh squeezed lime juice. Because stuff in the bottle sucks. I love lime juice. I actually go really hard on lime juice. Fresh lime when juice I is was, crucial. When I was a budding mixologist, I went <laughs> really hard on the fresh citrus. Then about four like big spoonfuls of cranberry juice and about... Three of pineapple juice. And not unsweetened cranberry juice, correct? No, Regular. you got to get some sweetness in there. Yeah. And take, I mean, I yeah, think... Yeah, stuff's good for the UTI. I think these the mixology cocktail. skills will work well in Jurassic Park. That's, this, that's the other thing. You did, did you say how much pineapple? Yeah, I said about two to three spoonfuls. Fresh pineapple? Always fresh. You carve it straight from the pineapple <laughs> rind. <laughs> that would be plentiful at Jurassic Park. You guys, Park. I don't think I should bring any more recipes to Free Cookies podcast. No, I just think 
that that's incorrect. Okay, little panty wads. Why don't you rap for us then? Snack. Because like I'm feeling like I failed at this segment. You didn't fail at it. Right, I just good. had questions and you didn't seem to want to answer any of the questions. I didn't know the answers. It's a difference. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that a pineapple and Cosmo is better than no pineapple and Cosmo. It's absolutely true. Her Cosmopolitan mm-hmm. is delicious. So delicious that if a dinosaur had it because of the bromamine that is in a pineapple, which you get from the core, it will help them with all of their sore, overused muscles that they use to claw your guts out, and then they'll just want to take a nap, and then we can all enjoy our cocktails over the snoozing T-Rex. And also, if I made Cosmos, if I was brought to Jurassic Park on your team, when, you know there's those moments in every action movie where you just need to chill. And I could make us cocktails during that time period. Like, you could make us the cocktails when we know we're about to die, so we might as well go out having a martini? Yeah, well, you know, like, there's always the scene, you're running across, the, like, the terrain, and there's, like, the With herd. The no, 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 no. And there's, like, the herd of dinosaurs after you, and then you find, like, a random shelter, and you go in, and you, and you shut the doors, and then you get, like, the four minutes of downtime <laughs> in the movie. But I have an idea. And that's <laughs> when I would make the Cosmo with the pineapple. What if we wrote a new movie, and it was called... T-Rex in the city. And the preview <laughs> was a martini glass of a Cosmo. And you get the boom. And you see it in boom. the puddle of the Cosmo. <laughs> yes. Are you ready to rap or are we going to do the rapping next week? Um, it's really hard to come up with things that rhyme with panty and wads and twist. <laughs> Let's sign off of free cookies. Are you ready? I like big panties and I cannot lie. You other brothers might deny. When a little panty wad walks into the room, you go, what the fuck? She's not a rapper. I don't know how to do this. All right, that'll do it for free cookies this week. You can find us on Instagram at free cookies podcast or at free cookies podcast.com. And you can email us at free cookies podcast at gmail.com or private message us at our Instagram page. We are produced by the awesome Lindsay Collins of FMB radio. And we are also on Patreon. That is how we support ourselves. So if you would like to be a supporter of our podcast, you can visit patreon.com forward slash free cookies and you can donate to little panty wads and lispy junior pants. And no, lispy Jurassic Park mixologist. Dr. Lispy Jurassic Park mixologist. <laughs> Dr. Smoller. Right, we're, we're like, this is a crazy episode. This is whack. We haven't even started drinking yet. <laughs> this is whack, guys. Thanks. We're out. Life finds a way. Don't drop the martini! <laughs>
You are. And by the way, let's acknowledge the beautiful voice that Lil Pennywise just <laughs> dropped on all of us. Peace out, y'all. Mm, turn my mic up. Turn my mic up with my headphones. It's Lil Pennywise here. Mm, free cookies coming to you live. Free cookies ain't got no hive. We just some one-on-one rapping. Ain't no stopping us. All right, I gotta go, guys. <laughs>